Hey, hey, it's GMAC on behalf of a vacationing Brett McGarry and Loren McNabb. It's the start on demand, the very best of the start. Heard live 6 a.m. till 10 a.m. Monday through Friday on 680 CJOB. Thanks for downloading, sharing, subscribing to the Start Podcast. And on this Monday, weather at the forefront. Fog, fog, fog. As far as the eye couldn't see this morning, David Phillips also joins us. We have a forecast high of 7 degrees on Tuesday. It'll be 16 in Medicine Hat. How unusual is this warm weather? What are our chances that we will see a brown Christmas in these parts? Haven't seen it since when? Well, you'll have to stick around and find out. The Jets back on track win Saturday afternoon versus Chicago. Carolina in town tonight. Christian O'Mell will speak to that. The Jets and Cole Perfetti and his role in the Jets' success when they are having it. And KISS! Yes, One of rock and roll's greatest bands of all time. 50 years in the spotlight. They're hanging up the black leather boots. At least they say so. Taking off the makeup for the final time. MSG, Saturday night. Brent Fitz knows a thing or two about Kiss. They are his inspiration. He plays rock and roll for a living. We'll talk about Kiss. We will also talk about Miles Goodwin. Passed away over the weekend at the age of 75. The founder, lead singer, songwriter for April Wine and Chad Allen passed away November 21st but we just found out about the passing of the one of the leading voices in Canadian rock and roll history the founder the first lead singer of the guests who passed away we learned about that as I said this weekend to so start on demand let's get right down to business Monday morning. It's Mackling and McNabb, McGarry off for the next couple of days, trying to chew up that unused vacation before the sands of the hourglass dictate that they are unusable any longer. Loren, good morning to you. Uh, I want to say happy Monday, but I'm just going to say morning and Monday. Yes, that's about it. But I actually got up okay this morning. It was my drive in that I was immediately thrown by. Came outside, lots of frost ice on the windshield but it was so foggy and all the way in it was I kept doing that thing like like you you know when they say I feel like I'm in a fog you know like but you mean it you mean it more like philosophically or metaphorically but I kept blinking because I couldn't see to the point where I got to the city limits and didn't realize I was in the city because it was that thick out there and I was like is this the am I going over the perimeter right now on Lash or the floodway. And I look over and I was like, nope, that's the perimeter. But I didn't think I was there yet in my journey. And all of a sudden, there I am in Sage Creek and thought, whoa, that's how fog gets you. No kidding. And so you clearly were unable to see the the typical geographical markers on your way in. You were just following the road. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's that's a scary thing to do. There's always the markers, you know, like, you. okay, now I'm passing and now I and I think I've gone over the floodway, but it just you're also it's four in the morning and you're in a fo- you're in a metaphorical <laughs> fog <laughs> and then literally. a literal fog. So how's the fog for you, uh, Gary? Already, I can't uh, say the word that uh, he used. He just says very heavy, uh, frosty fog this morning. Can't see uh, expletive deletive. Uh, out there. So 204-780-6868. Uh, we can have a little bit of a f- of fun with the fog this morning, but also it can uh, create some serious situations out on the highway. So we want to hear from you what you're seeing, the impact the fog is having this morning. And of course, this weekend, 
no snow. Saturday was a little brisk, a little chilly. There was that, it was that BC sort of warm day where the humidity and the wind made it feel colder than the temperature would indicate. But yesterday the sunshine came out and it was still a little windy at times, but are you kidding me? Second day of December and I was, you know, cutting lumber in my garage with the garage door wide open and a t-shirt. Yeah, we had, I kept the back door open yesterday while I was doing some house cleaning or whatnot, just to air things out, but it was just cool. It wasn't cold. It's forecasting Winnipeg, Environment Canada forecasting seven degrees plus seven for Wednesday and Thursday. So at 737, in honor of the seven, maybe we're going to bring <laughs> on David Phillips just to talk about this mild December we continue to have. And 10 days ago, well, maybe a week ago, we had asked the question, do you think we could have a brown Christmas? And I thought, oh, that's too far out. But as you look at this week and what is or is not coming, that's a question that's on some people's minds because that helps you feel a bit more festive. It also makes you feel a bit more worried for what's to come for the winter. One of the headlines this morning out of Montreal is all the school closures there because there was some snow and whatnot. And, uh, you know, we're in for that too, but we haven't seen those days yet. No, we sure haven't. So on one side of the country, we're having snow and school closures, as you say, because of it. I think in the medicine hat, the forecast high today or tomorrow is around 16, 17 degrees as the, those Chinook winds uh, make their way right across uh, the Canadian prairie. So David Phillips later on this morning. So it has me asking two questions, Loren. The one is, I was speaking to someone in rural Manitoba on Friday and some entrepreneurs in that part of the province, smaller entrepreneurs that make a bulk of their yearly Sales in and around Christmas time are concerned that the lack of snow, people are not even really like Christmas is going to sneak up on us. What's funny, you said that Brett said when he worked in retail in his younger days that they would noticed a real uptick once the snow hit in December. That's when people realized, wait a minute, now I need to get shopping. And for some reason, there's something that prevents them from doing that when it's warmer out. And I thought it could also be when it's cold, you want to be indoors more. That's interesting. So is that impacting uh, your shopping pattern uh, outside of the economy and whatever might be uh, making you resist to go out and shop? Are you noticing that things are a little quieter in the stores? Jackie and I were out just for a little while yesterday. It was super quiet where we were. We went a little bit earlier in the morning, but... uh, Felt odd. And then the Christmas tree dilemma. Christmas trees, I don't want to decide for anybody else what's inexpensive or expensive. I mean, that's a personal choice. But uh, some friends of ours bought a tree the yesterday or Saturday, and it was close to 150 bucks for a fresh cut tree. It's all done in the stand, delivered to their house. Very, very nice way of going about it. But I look at that and I go, hmm, for three or four hundred, maybe even less than that, depending on whether you can catch a sale, you can buy a real nice artificial tree. And so I'm curious if some people are at that tipping point where they're going, hmm, maybe this whole idea of X amount for a real tree, maybe it's time to consider, God forbid, depending on how you grew up, an artificial one. I just had that thought yesterday. We picked out our tree it's in the house waiting for the leaves or, you know, the branches to fall a bit before we decorate it. And it was 99 bucks plus tax. So 112 or 14 or whatever it turned out to be in the end. 
That's the most we've ever paid. I get that things are on the rise. I get it takes like seven years to get that tree to be the kind of tree you want to put in your house. There's all sorts of work that goes into that. But I had that thought for the first time. I want this doesn't make sense economically to be spending this amount of money year after year when I could just have an artificial. And weirdly, I have the artificial garland, you know, hanging from the banister and over top the piano with the lights and the fake sprigs of berries. Yeah. And that doesn't bug me, but it would bug me if that's how my tree looked. 204-780-6868. If you made the transition from real to artificial, or maybe you went the other way, maybe you went from artificial to real, what was the deciding factor for you? It's 6.13, it's Monday morning, it's foggy as all can be out there. Let us know if that's impacting your drive-in. Mackling McNabb, McGarry returns Wednesday. Brett was at the Forks on Saturday for the Santa Shuffle in support of Salvation Army. Just saw some footage of that. Looks like a delightful event took place at the at the Forks. Uh, our friends at Global News Morning with some pictures of that. So if you want to pop on your TV, turn down the volume, it would be our preference. <laughs> Leave us on in the background and you can experience uh, all the information, pictures included, uh, with our friends at Global News, Global News Morning, with, of course, uh, Drew Stremick on the weather desk and our good friend Gabrielle Marchand on the anchor position. And Clay Young is back uh, out crazy, you know, creating mayhem and chaos in the streets Clay-ham. of Winnipeg. Clayham, as we affectionately refer to it. Uh, we've got fog, that fog advisory in place, and it is thick. We can barely see. Yes, we're 30 floors above Portage and Main, but we can barely see the streetlights down at street level. So that'll tell you how thick it is. And and so we want to know how that's impacting your drive, 204-780-6868. And we're also having the... Um, well, I guess the idea of a brown Christmas, perhaps, as we have a seven-degree day in the forecast on Tuesday. David Phillips will join us at 737 just to take a look at this unusual warm spell. And uh, that idea of a brown Christmas is problematic, uh, Problematic, I would say, for a lot of people on several fronts, Loren. Uh, not having snow on Christmas Day in Manitoba uh, is nothing I recall ever happening. And of course, as a, a look to what's going on outside of the city in the agricultural world, so many of our, our friends and, and the economy is so dependent on a healthy agricultural sector. And to imagine no snow at this point right now is, is probably a little bothersome for the, some of those people. Sure. And there's also some sorts of people who make plans to maybe do some skiing or have, was the river trail going to freeze? And you know, there's all sorts of... Uh, things beyond agriculture that rely on the snow and the ice. And so we'll talk weather and, and then see what David Phillips has to say about the prospect. But Dan says, good morning. The current weather is reminding me of 2009. That year, I believe we received some snow on Christmas Eve, which was then followed by a mild winter with the snow being gone by the end of March. Dan says we can only hope. And there are people out there that are perfectly fine with what's going on. I'm in the boat that I want the snow. I don't even mind the cold because the holidays, if you have time off, a good chance to just hunker down and say, it's too cool right now. Let's just hang out, watch a show, start the fire, whatever. And that makes it nice. And it also makes it feel more seasonal in terms of the holiday season that you're in. And on the other side, I completely get that it's not sustainable and it could turn on a dime by this time next week. 
we'll be lamenting we ever even talked about this. That's a really good point, Loren. And of course, uh, winter activities are such a big part of Manitoba, Manitoba culture. Like you mentioned, cross-country skiing, downhill skiing, snowmobiling, all sorts of different things people love to do and live for in the winter, including uh, skating outdoors. And then we're talking about Christmas trees. Whether you're a real or artificial, that age-old debate as to whether or not you should have an artificial versus a real tree, your preference, what made you switch from one to the other, if in fact that happened. One of our listeners saying, good morning, CJOB. Artificial trees go in the dump. Real trees give... Um, animals homes and shelter. Animals, yeah. yes. Homes, shelter for many years before they're cut and shipped and they are recycled, they're chipped and used for mulch. That's the way to go. That's a very environmentally friendly. I get that. That's why I, that's I'm part down. of the reason I I'm like down a, with that. I like a real tree. I really, really do. Just the cost this year had me wondering if I do that every single year for the next X number of years, economically, it makes more sense to go artificial. Tara says, after having a real tree for 56 years of my life, I'm now 57, I bought a beautiful artificial tree at my local MCC thrift store for $30. It's gorgeous, seven feet tall. Full branches. Still can't believe I made the change. Now I need to find something just to bring that real tree smell. Just go to a gas station. No, Get one of those air fresheners. It is. It's not. No? Okay. Pine saw? Bucket of pine saw? The the pine scented pine saw? Just put a bucket of that in your corner and just put a lid on it somewhat uh, if you've got animals. Uh, Let us know where where you stand on the Christmas tree debate. I think I've shared the fact that uh, the year my dad decided enough was enough and that we were getting an artificial tree. Uh, My dad was halfway through putting it together. My mom nudged me and said, we're going to get a real tree. By the time we got back, the fake tree was back in the box, and I think my dad was halfway to the Kmart and Brandon to return it. <laughs> and uh, that was our last Christmas as a family. So you have to really, Omen. yeah, you have to really think twice, long and hard. Can your family unit, can your marriage survive the switch from real to artificial, or or the uh, reverse change? Um, this story caught my attention, and, and it made me smile, Loren. And uh, this is this is pretty cool. How many of us like have literal dreams about winning the lottery? I know I do. What about when you check that ticket at the scanner kiosk thingy? Like, like I'm just even as I'm putting the ticket underneath, I'm imagining that woohoo! And some a bunch of zeros in behind the the number that I've won. I've never won. I don't think any more than two dollars at least since I won. I think maybe a hundred bucks on a scratch ticket <laughs> years ago. But uh, what's the first thing? The question. What's the first thing you would do with a substantial windfall? I'd like to think we'd have some fun. The boring side of me says I'd immediately go to the bank and pay off the mortgage. But would you give to others? One year after being removed from their former residence due to an unexpected renovation, we're going to tell you the story of a Nova Scotia couple that are reaping the benefits of a lucky lottery ticket and then using the winnings to pay it forward. Heidi Petrachek of Global Halifax has the story. Helen Drover felt the panic. In a province struggling with homelessness, Bertram and Helen Drover felt the panic of being renovicted last year. We didn't know where we were going to go. We had, we had no three idea. weeks, and you think, well, am I going to have to pitch a tent? And then you think, oh my God, where do I go? What do I do? When they found this last-minute rental, it was a big relief. A year later, someone ahead of them in line at the drive-thru paid for their coffees one night. They parked to drink them across from a nearby tent encampment and felt a wave of inspiration. And I said to Helen, Helen, you know, if we ever want any amount of money, 
I think I would like to do something for these folks. Call it fate or good luck, but they say something special happened when they bought a lottery ticket that very same night. And she actually got a little bit extra for yeah, the ticket because she had a winner $2. of $2 in her hand anyway, yeah. so she went even bigger than normal. <laughs> they played the Atlantic tag and won, the ticket upgrade earning them $100,000. Of course, that took my breath away. So they've helped family, paid off their own bills, put away for retirement. How you doing? Good, how are you? And they tell us they used some of their winnings to buy small propane tanks to keep residents at that same encampment warm this winter. Maybe somebody else will hear yeah. it. Somebody else will want to chip in. You don't know where this, you know, that happens to people in a, in a minute, in a year, in a week. Anything is possible. So I just think that they need help. Sharing good fortune with strangers, they say, has felt better than getting the good fortune itself. Heidi Petrochik, Lower Sackville, Nova Scotia. That's a great story. I just love that. And the couple, just delightful. If you want to see the video associated with that story, go to globalnews.ca and you can just, uh, you can just uh, on the right-hand side, it's one of our top trending stories. Well, what they do is they track the stories that you're engaged in most. So if you'd like to uh, have that uh, morning of Christmas cheer, that, that bright conversation, maybe it'll kick a discussion for you. It's going to Kick discussion off for us, that story. We are going to talk about lottery. What would you do with a lottery win? It's not the first time we've had this discussion. 204-780-68. Loren says the first thing she'd do is run to the bank and pay her mortgage. No, I think I'd do something else. I just think there'd be a part of me that thought I'd like to lift that, sort of get that off my back. Greg Mackling, Loren McNabb, Sarah McCarthy. There's we have three M's. We always have <laughs> at least two. We have three this Still morning. Three. Brett, McGor- <laughs> Brett McGarry returns on Wednesday in Master Control. Jeffrey Forche and returning to the morning crew to the start crew. My pleasure to say good morning. Welcome back to Camp Poitras. Cam, good morning, my friend. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Great to see your uh, lovely face. Have you ever thought about winning the lottery? And if so. What's the first thing you do? And, and are there qualifiers based on the amount of money? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Of course. Of course. Um, what I would do, I would, the first thing I would do is I'd get all my family. We'd go on some big, crazy vacation. I'd pick some place somewhere, you know, a little bit exotic, uh, an interesting place. I don't know, Korea or something like that. I don't know, a place like that. And then I would just pay everyone's way. Um for like, uh, it would be gone for, you know, two weeks or something like that. And then I'd say, all right, the rest of you, now everyone's cut off. <laughs> that's it. That would be it. So that's it. You can fight over it uh, when I'm when I'm gone or this something like it? that. This is it? A two-week vacation? That's it. That's all you get. My father-in-law has warned everyone, if they hit, hit it big, they're paying off the mortgage. Mm-hmm. That's it. After that, like, that's it. That's a gift. What better gift than to, to be mortgage-free? Oh, paying off each of your or oh, I see. I yeah, 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 yeah. Not yeah. their own. That's, that's, to pay, that's a gift. Right? That's a that's, huge that's gift. That's a huge gift. That's a gift that keeps on giving month after month. But, Cam, I love the idea of, you know, the gift of travel. Because, Loren, I, I think you and Cam and a lot of us are on that page that is there any better gift than the experience of seeing another part of the world? And ha- doing, I've done some really great trips with my whole family, and it's the thing that stands out. There was no gifts given at that holiday time. They just came over. We all got together. You spent less, 
probably spent the same. Had a great <laughs> yeah. time together. I thought you were going to say you were going to like, invest in a beet farm or something. Uh, Given well, your, your I, love of the root <laughs> vegetable. Yes, no, I would... Uh, <laughs> I have a lot of business uh, ideas and stuff like that, so we'd, we'd, we'd wait and see. Maybe a beet farm or— An all-beet restaurant? Uh, like, you only do beet dishes. Well, like a maybe a root seller, you know, <laughs> invest in, you know, rutabagas and stuff like that. It's a vegetable. It's on the up and up. Believe me, people are going to start really getting oh, into rutabagas as the years go on. <laughs> I don't know if we talked about this on air, but it was just about a month ago that Cam came in with, like, nine days' worth of— Rutabaga recipes because <laughs> rutabagas and beets were on sale, yep. and I bought twenty pounds of each. And a so lot of rutabaga. I, so I had to force feed myself beets and rutabaga. I was not throwing them out. Oh, so I had to no. force feed myself that. There, so I'll tell you this: if I won the lottery, I wouldn't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> there are plenty of outstanding specialty restaurants uh, featuring rutabaga and beets. I just as a former restaurant person, restaurant guy, don't do that. That's not going to. No. That's not going to succeed. Jeff Forge. bring people into the door. <laughs> Master <laughs> control. What have you got? Well, like, of course you have. I'd go talk to my financial planner and all that. But, like, if I'm going to have some fun, I'm going to go to Vegas and do Vegas right. Like, I mean, like, the hangover Vegas. You know? Oh, my. Yeah, like, you know, I want to steal a police car. Oh, steal oh my, my God. Oh, my God. Lose a tooth. Marry a stripper. Why not? Lose a Wow. Jeff Forche going to go for it. Um, Manitoba <laughs> Liquor and Lotteries, if you have any control over who wins these things, uh, please make sure that Jeff Forche does not win. I'm oh, saving I'm saving you from yourself, my friend. <laughs> and so, your tooth. That's right. And saving I, I your can teeth. Afford, I can afford new teeth with, when true. I win the lottery. She was so. with an attitude like that, you'll be dead in a month. Yeah. What about you, Sarah? <gasps> I think I would start, first of all, if I found out while I was at work, I would quietly leave. Just say, like say I have an appointment or something. I actually have an appointment. Quiet quit. I'm, I'm, I'm going out for yeah. uh, yeah. a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> going out for a pack <laughs> of cigarettes. Four, a four liter of milk. I'll be right back. So yeah. And I we never saw her again. <laughs> exactly. And just sneak away. And then, yeah, I definitely go to the bank right away and do like the smart things that you should do. Maybe invest some, maybe do that. But um, aside from that, I would, of course, help out anyone in my family with their mortgage. I don't have a mortgage, so would do that. If this were to happen at this point in my life, of course, we're talking. But um, then, yeah, as for fun things, definitely want to go to either Germany, Greece, both, depending how much. Those are like my top two like uh, destinations worldwide. And then I've always said, like, depending how much, again, I would want to give back. The two like causes like near and dear to my heart would definitely see some funds. So it took us to get to Sarah McCarthy <laughs> before, before someone to give? And I've always and said that, too. about giving giving back. Everyone says that. Like, you that's all. implied. Like, we're going to give something. It's implied. Mm-hmm. Cam, is it not implied? You it, give something. Of course, yeah. It, it goes without saying. After you um, cut off the family, you'd probably do something. Cut them off. Right? Then you cut them off and then you start supporting what you want to support. That's right. Mm-hmm. Hey, you change your phone number because, listen, you're going to have cousins coming out of the woodwork. Oh, that are gonna, boy. Get, scrub your social uh, media. Get off of there. Got, just do everything. I got a real big water bill I'm having trouble with. Uh, mm-hmm. All of a sudden, those calls start coming. Yeah, sure. you don't you don't need that. Loren, <laughs> uh, 20 seconds. What do you do? Another than... Uh, well, there'd be travel, there'd be like the mortgage payouts, blah, 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 and help people. But lately I've become, I'm not a, I like to cook. I'm not a great cook, but I like to cook. And lately I've become, I've clearly looked up, you know, the, the Instagram feed is feeding my love of a good kitchen. You know, like a renovated huge kitchen where the pots are hanging and you have multiple oh, stoves, awesome. copper pots. Mm-hmm. And there's like oh, yeah. herbs hanging, like random, you know, like <laughs> I'm, 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 suddenly yeah. I'm in Italy, but it's. 
Winnipeg and there's this big windows and lights and I'm in there just I think you just look like you know what you're doing when you're in a kitchen like that. That's a, that would be fun. Once again, we know we cook rutabagas in that kitchen. No, you don't want Your to do own that. Stoves. Don't sourdough, that. sourdough like you wouldn't believe. We Days. know we know we've had this discussion before, but you know what? It felt uh, apropos after that uh, terrific story out of Halifax. 707 Monday morning. It's Mackling, it's McNabb. McGarry returns on Wednesday. Variety of things to let you know about in this segment to start this hour. We're going to talk about the fog, brown Christmases, and Loren, a crash east of the city. Yeah, we have several listeners telling us about an accident near Deacon's Corner. It is at westbound number one. One of our listeners says it seems to have a couple other vehicles involved on the side, and there are people walking around out there on the highway, and it's very difficult to see them. So if we have more information on that crash, we will bring it to you. But yes, it's hard in any day when it's dark in the morning to see people on the highway or people who are not properly clothed with the bright colors. But in this fog, it'll be tremendously difficult, Greg. All right. So uh, heads up, if that is part of your commute heading into the city from out east on highway number one, that crash uh, near Deacon's Corner. We also have a show announcement and Loren concentrating, thinking, and I believe I have a premonition about what this show may be. Premonition is a good way to look at it because Ravine, the legend continues. Saturday, March 23rd is when Ravine will be coming to Winnipeg. That show is at 8 p.m. at the Club Region Event Center. We have a pre-sale December 6th. The password for that will be funny. And then Thursday, December 7th is when it fully goes on sale via Ticketmaster. But we've got tickets to give away this morning. We need your texts on what you would do if you won the lottery. At 6.37, we played the story of that Nova Scotia couple that as soon as they won $100,000, went out and were buying propane heaters and other things for the more vulnerable in their community because they had experienced some housing issues. And so they immediately wanted to help. What would you do if you won the lottery? And we have two tickets to Ravine to give away or... We have... Two tickets to experience Beyond Monet at the convention center. Lots of pictures, lots of video in my social media feeds this weekend of folks that have been down at the convention center checking out that uh, Beyond Monet experience. And uh, Pete saying, if I ever won the lottery, I would start a small business and go down to the homeless encampments and hire as many people who want to work. So Pete uh, looking to pay it forward as well. 204-780-6868. We've got four tickets to give away, two to Ravine and two to Beyond Monet. And uh, this morning and just, oh, probably while we were listening to Sarah McCarthy's Global News, Loren, you got an email, a new survey showing the popularity of premiers across the country. Well, just two and a half so months ago, Angus Reid put out a poll on premier's approval in Canada. They do this, I think it's quarterly. And in September of this year, then-Premier Heather Stephenson had 28% approval tied with Ontario Premier's Doug Ford. That's the worst approval ratings in the country. And frankly, they've sat there. They had sat there for well over a year and even went to her predecessor for a bit, Brian Pallister. Well, this morning, Angus Reid is telling us that at the top of the list for approval across the country. Now sits Premier Wab Canoe. He has 57% approval rating, according to Angus Reid's survey, followed by Premier Mo in Saskatchewan. And so from worst to first in terms of approval, I suppose you could say it's not surprising in that 
we've called it this before, and Angus Reid is calling it this, you know, the honeymoon period. About the idea that he's the newest premier. You have a renewed sense of hope when no matter which party is elected because you're looking for change and we call this a change election. So it makes sense to me that we have 21% who strongly approve of his leadership so far and 35% that moderately approve. And so that puts that at us at that 56, 57% approval rating. Okay. That's, uh, that's yeah, honeymoon period. Absolutely. But I'll, I'll tell you this just anecdotally. I've been, you know, uh, out and, and with various people of uh, various political stripes and uh, know somebody that was the at the a- AMA meeting in Brandon uh, earlier this week, mm-hmm. Association of uh, Manitoba, or AMM, Association of Manitoba Municipalities. Uh, uh, pretty uh, Tory blue, I guess I would say, in terms of their, and they would say, in terms of their typical uh, beliefs and voting patterns. And uh, they were uh, very impressed with the with the speech that uh, Premier Wab Canoe gave. And and it was interesting because uh, when we talk politics, we typically have to stop talking at a certain point because we do disagree on certain things. We agree on a lot, which is what I love about Manitoba po- politics, but there, there's there's typically a line. And, and what stood out for me was that this person said to me, you know, as long as Wab Canoe is in it for Manitoba, I'm prepared to give him a chance. What? Isn't that the case for so many things in life, though? When something new comes along, you think, I'll give this a shot. Have you ever, and this is to our listeners, had a new boss come in? Someone takes over your company, a new manager moves in, and and perhaps you haven't liked the way things have been going. And that person comes in and says all the things you've been waiting to hear. And you do have that renewed sense of hope. You think, okay, good. But then the question is, how long do you wait for those promises to come to fruition? How long do you sit there and wait for the changes to make you say, okay, I like working here. They've made the, they made a difference. What's the, what's the timeline? How much are you giving someone? Yeah. How much do you give someone? And it might depend on what the issue is. It could be something small, like they promise no more meetings. And then a week later, there's another meeting and you think, what? And Uh. then the honeymoon is over or it's something big, like we're going to fix healthcare. How long do you wait for that? 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868, your feedback, and uh, several texts on the Christmas of 1997. Bruce, the parrot head in Nipawa. This one clit hit close to home because this is exactly where I was for Christmas 1997. Bruce says, good morning. While I was living in Boys of Aim during the 1990s, I think the winter of 97, December was brown and so mild that a couple of families I knew barbecued for Christmas dinner and then hit a few golf balls around the course on Boxing Day. But the weather did a very abrupt 180 and the same families were at the Lake Adam Toboggan Hill for New Year's Day. Yeah, 1997, uh, several people uh, vouching for 97 as uh, maybe the last brown Christmas. Uh, Dan saying he was, in fact, on Christmas morning as a way to get rid of the get away from the family for a little bit was outside raking his leaves on Christmas morning. So. Last brown Christmas you remember in these parts, 204-780-6868. And don't forget, tickets to see Ravine or the Monet Experience Monet at the uh, Immersive Experience at the Convention Center Beyond Monet, 204-780-6868. What would you do if you won the lottery? What's the first thing you would do? Mackling, McNabb, McGarry returns Wednesday. It is the start. Seven thirty-seven. Mackling McNabb McGarry returns a Wednesday. Thanks for spending some time with us on this Monday morning. 
a little bit of chaos out on the streets and highways in southern Manitoba. Uh, once again, want to remind you about that situation just west, or pardon me, east of the city, westbound on the Trans Canada Highway as you make your way in from the east towards Deacon's Corner. We have that uh, situation. We have a crash there. So uh, keep your eyes open, get your headlights on, and don't forget your tail lights as well. It's uh, about being seen as well as trying to see as we have a, have a different morning this morning. Uh, Loren, the weather is obviously one of the things we talk about most in Manitoba. It's an icebreaker. It's one of the things that you can discuss with anybody on the elevator, in the grocery store, waiting in line. You don't have to know people. I've always wondered what people in San Diego talk about because the weather is there. There's exactly the same about 10 out of 12 months of the year. I don't know what the icebreaker is there. Uh, but here in Manitoba, we all love to talk about the weather, what it's done, what it's doing, and what it's going to do. We bring on our friend, David Phillips, Senior Climatologist with Environment Canada. Good morning, David. Hey, Loren. Nice to be here. I can answer Greg's question. I spoke to a, a travel agent or a, or a representative of California uh, several years ago, and I said, what do people in California talk about? And he thought for a moment, and I said, well, do you talk about the weather? No, no, we don't have weather. We have, have climate. We don't have weather. And then he said, oh, traffic. We talk about the traffic. Uh, of course. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> and David, we've been talking a bit about the traffic this morning because of yeah. this fog we're having. Yeah. So before we get into some other things, I just, I don't know if this is the right answer. I went to Google, but it could be wrong. It said December is actually the foggiest month. Is that true, or does it depend on where you live? Oh, Lauren, you got me there. I, I think it all depends. Uh, now, for Winnipeg, it may be the foggiest. And, and I think there's a, the, what is really bringing this is some very moist air, but very light winds. You know, you don't often get such light winds. I saw the winds this morning blowing at less than 10 kilometers per hour from the south. So that south is bringing you kind of that moist air. And, uh, and, uh, and then certainly in the lower valleys, like the uh, Red River Valley, you have a more of it can be trapped there. But it's those Light, light winds. You don't often see winds that light on the prairies, and it helps to dissipate that kind of mix the air from the higher levels to the lower levels, and so therefore you don't necessarily get the fog. So it's probably going to be short, short-lived. I mean, it'll probably be finished by sometime this morning, and um, but but certainly it is from a traffic point of view, it is quite treacherous. You're not used to it necessarily, and uh, it's quite thick. It's almost like what you'd see in Halifax or in St. John's, and and hardly what uh, what is typical. Um, uh, in, on the prairies, even in December. Here's what happens when you read the first thing you see on the internet, David. You realize that the fog and December data was for London, England. So, you know, oh. not necessarily relevant <laughs> for Winnipeg, but I wanted to clarify oh, that. Lauren, what an honest person well, you are. Well, while you were talking, Come I on. thought, you know, I should double check what I'm doing here, David. <laughs> okay, so let's let's get honest about the forecast coming. We're talking, yeah. we want to talk snow. We've been talking the lack of snow and the possibility of a, a brown Christmas <laughs> in a second, but... Seven degrees Wednesday, six degrees Thursday. This this is feels very unusual for this time of year. Oh, Lauren, it is. I mean, it's temperatures that are 14, 15 degrees warmer than normal. I mean, the average temperature come middle of the week should be a high of minus 8 and a low of minus 17. Not a, a temperature of plus 7, plus 6, and then a low. That even really shocks me. I mean, to get a temperature which is above the... Um, uh, above the freezing mark um, at any time during the day is is a rarity. The normal, if you looked up those numbers, no, don't confuse London with Winnipeg. But if you can, if you look up those numbers for for uh, Winnipeg in December, there is a, there are no days where the temperature gets 
uh, above the freezing mark, um, and and yet we're going to see one, maybe two, in in a row. And and even the number of days, the max temperature. I looked this up because I was really fascinated by the fact that the average number of days in December, where you get a melting temperature, they would be on average thirty years uh, average, about four in the whole month. Um, you've already had three in three days. Come on. I mean, this is absolutely quite something. And even guys, when it cools off uh, towards, say, next weekend and early next week, we see temperatures that are just seasonable. Sometimes when you get this kind of warm interlude, almost this heat wave, a prairie heat wave in December, then you're going to be punished because what going to after that warm air leaves, that cold Arctic polar vortex Siberian air rushes down and punishes you with face-numbing wind chills. Well, no, we see kind of seasonable temperatures. So it's almost as if the cold air is just not around. And it's true. When you get a northerly air, there's no cold air to even tap from the north. We're seeing uh, temperatures in, in the eastern Arctic and Nunavut are, are warmer than Toronto. So really, the north has just been just on fire. I mean, it just, and so you're getting a flood of Pacific air, which is very El Nino-like. And and, um, and any time it draws in that cooler air from the north, it just comes down and it's rather rather mellow. So my sense is this is kind of what the personality of what we see December is going to be. I'm looking at the forecast. I used to live in Alberta, yes, David, so I'm familiar with Chinooks. I've traveled enough time oh. back and forth. I've, I've left Calgary at minus 30 and, and shown up in Medicine Hat and plus five or six, but 16, 17 degrees for a forecast high yesterday, or pardon me, yesterday, tomorrow for Medicine Hat. Is, is, is this a westerly flow then, yeah. or, or, is it, or is it coming from the south? I'm guessing it's coming from the due west. Well, Greg, it is really that kind of entrained air from the Pacific that's the driver, but it's drawing in some warm air from the south. And so that's why you're seeing, but we're, hey, forget about the Chinook in Alberta. This is like a Chinook in Winnipeg. I mean, come on, to go from, from temperatures so dramatic uh, as, as you're, you're going to see. So, so really, this is quite, quite unusual. And uh, I looked at the number of days where uh, you would have a temperature, say, below minus 20. Uh, by the end of this week, on average, you would have had seven of those. You've had none. And last year at this time, guys, you had temperatures to, uh, as low as minus 33. So, what? my gosh, this is absolutely, what a shock a, a, a year makes, uh, where you're wondering about, gee, are we going to get a white Christmas? Come on. There's a 100% chance, a 99% chance of a white Christmas in, in, in Winnipeg from year after year after year. But That's my gosh, the probability, David, 99%? <clears throat> It is. We've had only, in, in records we've got, looked at from, say, 1955, there was one, I think, in 1937. There was also a green Christmas, brown Christmas in 1997. People remembered that. They remembered that they golfed on that particular day in Winnipeg. I mean, come on. It was People were just shocked by that. But there's only been one year in the last, say, 65 years where you've only had, um, um, you know, a, 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 green, a green Christmas. So I think it's like death taxes and a white Christmas are the thing in Winnipeg. But this year, I mean, I would bear, I would dare say that a lot of loonies on the fact that there will be a white Christmas. There's a lot of time to go from now until Christmas morning. And last uh, Christmas, you had about 12 centimeters sitting on the ground. You even had a few snow flurries in the air, which kind of was the perfect Christmas card look. So my sense, I would bet, uh, always bet on the fact that that <clears throat> Winnipeg will get uh, be um, 
um, uh, a white Christmas. I think you it's it just there's too much time. If this was like two days away, I would say, well, clearly it's not going to be. But this is like three three weeks or two and a half weeks to go. And my sense is that it will be um, it will be a white Christmas. Death, taxes, a white Christmas in Manitoba and an absolutely <laughs> delightful conversation for things that are guaranteed in Manitoba when David Phillips joins us. David, if we don't speak with you before, oh. have a wonderful Christmas and a holiday season uh, for the ages with your family. If we do speak with you before, it's because it's plus 10, the forecast high <laughs> for Christmas Day, or we're going to have one of those famous Manitoba <laughs> holiday blizzards, one or the other. And I hope that means we don't need to speak with you if you will take that in the manner in which it's intended. Greg, I do. Thank you for those kind words. And you're right. I'm a guy that it's only when a big black cloud hangs over everybody that they'll call me. So if you don't, if I don't hear from you, I'll know everything is wonderful. Speaking of which, David, I know you were doing a couple other interviews this morning. Was it because of the snow in Montreal or the warmth in Alberta? Or Well, it's the atmospheric river in, 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 um, um, in Vancouver and uh, in Regina. It was the same thing they're, you're talking about is Hey, where's winter? The polar vortex is missing in action. All right, David, thanks again, and have a wonderful day. David Phillips, Senior Climatologist at Environment Canada, one of our friends here. And uh, that that Christmas of 97, lots of people sending their text messages. And also, we want your text messages on what you would do if you won the lottery. We've got some great texts to share with you on that. We want to give you tickets to see uh, Experience Monet, Beyond Monet at the Convention Centre. And also, we have tickets to the show we announced just about 47 minutes ago. That is a fact that Ravine is returning to Winnipeg. We'll take a pause. Traffic, weather, and your text messages, uh, some really good ones uh, from from Bunny. She She's really thought about what she's going to do with her lottery winnings. We'll share that with you next. Mackling, McNabb, it is the start on a Monday morning. Sarah McCarthy in with your global news. There's all, there are always at least two M's. We have three M's this morning. Uh, Brett McGarry returns on Wednesday, chewing up some of his vacation from 2023. I've got some of that to take care of as well. I just don't know when I'm going to do it, Loren. Um, are you ready for Christmas? I just asked uh, Car- oh gosh, Carol, no, who sits so, at the... F- it's ages away. It's not. It is. It's not. It is. It's like a, it's a 20 days. You got 20 days, people. Four weeks. I know a lot of people who are done, not a lot. I know several people who are already finished their Christmas shopping. I got a whole list. I get a digital list now from my kids. They don't sit down and they don't write it out. Dear Santa, uh, this is what I'd like for Christmas. Uh, what they do now is they compile a digital list. And, and I don't know if they have Santa's email or what, but the stuff that they want from us, they just send us screenshots or links to something that they found online. And it's quite hilarious because I, 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 my boys are working now, so they know how much it, it, it takes to, to earn a dollar or, or an hourly wage and how much effort is involved. You always used to talk about your chicken Terry dollars. Mm-hmm. I believe my kids are starting to think in those terms, but then they will send these outrageous gift requests as if to say, do you not understand the economic limitations of what's going on in our family right now? 
And uh, I think the answer would be no. Well, I guess they don't understand. And more than that, what it all adds up to, right? If you were to buy one of those ticket items on that list, that would be it. That would be all all Christmas is because that would be the only thing you could put under the tree. And so you have to have those conversations. You know, we've talked to experts in the past and psychologists and psychiatrists about talking to your kids about money. And they don't need to know every little detail, but there needs to be some understanding that not everything is attainable, nor should it be, even if it was, and the value of what goes into it. more And more than anything, it's really supposed to be about time spent together. So, of course, over the next month, this will be a topic of conversation. Hanukkah starts later this week as well. And uh, I think people, as they look towards what they give should stop less about what they'll receive. And that's such a hard thing to do at this time of year because it is all about that excitement of opening everything up. And sharing is uh, one of the conversations we're having this morning. We have tickets to see Ravine, the next generation. And also we have tickets to give away to Beyond Monet. That's happening at the convention center. And we're asking about the lottery. And so many of you are focusing on the giving. And I absolutely love this part of it. And Rose says this, if I won a lottery, I would build a recreation place for children and young adults who have very high needs. Autism. These folks are often excluded, even from events and organizations created for folks with autism because they are are too much. They move too much. They need too much. Get in people's way too much. And everything else that they think is too much, I'm talking about those on the outside. But these angels need places to enjoy themselves like everyone else. They want to play, see others, and have freedom to run, play, and just be. So it would be a very large, lots of activities like a jungle gym, but also an area to run and kick ball. I'd also employ those who really understand and are compassionate. I would provide extensive training to understanding the challenges families go through with feeling excluded. And Rose re-emphasizes with six hearts. That's what I would do. That's supremely generous. A lot of that's coming in this morning. You mentioned it's in response to that Nova Scotia story of the couple that won the lottery and are doing some nice things with the money. And and I don't know how many times we can say times are tough. So as you approach the season of giving, what you have to give charitably versus what you have to give in terms of presents, it becomes hard to divide up those dollars. And Kat was saying with her kids' uh, Christmas list, there's a $200 Limit and not a penny more. So in this, these economic times, you might be considering your purchasing habits and purchasing decisions might be shifting. And so fashion is one place, you know, my boys like the Nike shoes and the licensed uh, jerseys and all this sort of stuff. But fast fashion is something that might be seeing a resurgence, Loren, if if uh, experts uh, are correct in their prediction. We're talking about brands like Zara H&M, Shein is an online fashion website that is also launching in the States in terms of stores, and it's known for inexpensive on-trend clothing. It can ship out to you in the matter of days. And a lot of people out there would have maybe perhaps said, maybe my youth that would have bought those things when dollars were tighter, but as you get older, you're thinking about quality, and you might be thinking about sustainability for the environment. You might be thinking about all sorts of other things beyond is this cost-effective a uh, headline at globalnews.ca, fast fashion or sustainable holiday shopping, which will you choose? And some economists are weighing in saying it wouldn't surprise them if we saw an upwards trend of people turning towards fast fashion again this holiday season because just straight up bottom line. And so are you a person that actually looks at the quality of the product or perhaps more the tag? What country is this made in? What are the standards in that country? 
What are the child labor practices in that yep. country? Asking yourself, why is this tank top only $3? Does that actually make any sense? Because I'm one that's all for the deal. But at some point, do you stop and say, but why is this so cheap? And when your dollars are tight, you kind of put away the morale and ethics of it all. Just well, because. Well, let's take a look. You know, even with the carbon tax conversation, there's some people who are for it and are going, you know what? Maybe it's time to reset that conversation. We're going to have the 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 holiday, the tax holiday from from gasoline. I know a lot of people who who believe that that tax uh, forces people to make decisions about how they how they transport themselves and others. And they're going, yeah, but you know what? Right now I could really use that tax break. So where is that line for you? Join the conversation. April wine on this Monday morning, Miles Goodwin passed away over the weekend, age 75, the former lead singer and uh, really the singer songwriter brainchild of April wine. You heard from Eric Alpert in uh, Sarah McCarthy's global news there. Just what a loss it is. I was just scrolling through the social media, Burton Cummings sending out a picture of uh, himself along with Miles Goodwin. And uh, you know, I, Loren, you and I discuss a lot of things, but I'm not sure I'm super clear. I know you, you dabble in in show tunes and popular music and show country, tunes. but I, I'm not sure. Like if if you and I were just like going on a road trip and I was building a song list or a playlist for you and I, I'm not sure exactly what genre I would le- lead to. Like the Canadian rock and roll is. For yourself or big, for me? It's a big time part of my history. Where does it play for you? Oh, no, for sure. For for us, I mean, radio was a big part of growing up because we didn't have, um, we weren't buying a ton of cassettes and CDs as kids. And so we, whatever was coming up on the old KX96, which was rock at the time, it's kind of gone a, a, that a few was a different great ways. Station in but the it 90s. was a fantastic station. So rock was a big deal. I like, I had um, Tragically Hip was a big part of life. Metallica growing up. I also loved Offspring and Green Day, but a lot of country. And it was really whatever came on the radio. And then whatever you could put into Bon Jovi, the requests and dedications line at 10.38 p.m. every night, waiting to hear if your name would be spoken. Some great Canadian rock and roll, Canadian music, uh, a little uh, less less happy, joyful, shall we say, uh, the passing of Miles Goodwin. At 9.35, fingers crossed, we're about 80, 85% on this because I know what our guest uh, has been up to this weekend. Brent Fitz, a uh, member of Took, amongst other uh, rock and roll establishments uh, due to join us from Los Angeles. He's he's in the recording stu- studio right now, and uh, that two-hour time difference may prevent him from joining us. But as of yesterday, he said, yep, we'll join. We'll talk about April Wine. We'll talk about the impact of uh, their music, Miles Goodwin, etc. And Kiss, Kiss played their final supposed final they, they, they did a farewell tour back in the early 2000s i think they've done two or three farewell well, tours one of our colleagues just said out in the hallway she was at the farewell tour 25 years ago <laughs> right so. exactly so take it for what it's worth but supposedly and it was on pay-per-view uh lots of 
rave reviews for Kiss and their, their impact on uh, rock and roll later on this morning. But we start this hour in the sports department. The Winnipeg Jets wind up a four-game homestand with a visit from Carolina Hurricanes tonight at Canada Life Centre. We should remind you that it is an earlier-than-usual opening face-off tonight. That's for national television, 6.30 versus the normal 7 o'clock on the weeknights. Our coverage gets underway at 4.30 with pregame coverage. Uh, quarterback by Ross Levitan, by the way, in uh, for Kelly Moore. Over the last several days, did a fantastic job over the weekend, Ross. Uh, the Jets got back into the win column with a 3-1 win over Chicago Saturday afternoon in downtown Winnipeg. Gary Shevin is off wing, stops up into where the corner, put it into where the slot for Murphy. Murphy tried to go back door for Bedard, broken up nicely by DeMello now for Ehlers. Lead pass, partial break, Barry moves in, shoots, scores! There's some transition for you, Morgan Barron with a big goal, and it's 2-1 to one Winnipeg. Yeah, Morgan Barron, the birthday boy Saturday, his fourth goal of the season, Loren, it was the eventual game winner. And... We won that game, which was awesome to see. But the number of people I know who went to see Bedard and really enjoyed the show that he put on. You might have come out feeling like you won for your team, but you also won because you got to see that absolute phenom in play. So Christian O'Mell is the host of the 680 CJOB Sports Show and joins us now for more. Good morning, Christian. Good morning, friends. I was at that game, but since I live in Selkirk now and have possessed poor time management skills for a long time, and no need to actually be there for work. I missed the Bedard no! goal. So I, I got there with like 12 minutes left in the first. I get in and the one security guy's like, oh, you missed Bedard's score. And I thought, oh, great. Is one of the main reasons I came to this game. Awesome. As a fan, like putting aside your sports hat for your job, Christian, do you notice a difference when you go to watch a specific player about being in person versus watching them on TV and the treat that that would be for kids who might grow up saying, yeah, I, I saw him play in his first season? Well, the the thing you can do when you're at a game is ignore the puck completely and just watch a dude skate around when he's on the ice, right? You're not at the mercy of the television camera, which is going to show you the puck and the play, right? But if you want to, at a game, you can just <laughs> ignore that and just watch a guy, whether it's Crosby or Ovechkin or, or Bedard. And I don't usually do that. Um, I'm very much looking at the puck or in sports, any other sport, just watching the ball. I'm not looking at other stuff, so I guess I'm basic in that way. But I, I I did spend some time on Saturday just watching him and seeing what he looked like. And at his young age, I don't know if it's just because on that team there's, like, no one else. But, man, he is uh, hes going to be a giant problem for teams for a long time in the NHL. He's got so much skill. Uh, and to some degree, he just needs people he can play with that can, can love, match that or at least benefit from it with Taylor Hall being up for the year there really isn't a ton of talent on that hockey team and it showed I think on Saturday where the Jets didn't play supremely well but still didn't really have much of a problem winning that game yeah Bedard with uh, his 11th goal of the season first shot of the game on Connor Hellebuck and uh, you know I have to uh, like the, the Jets found the way to a win Saturday Christian and I'm not sure your impressions on how they played that's following three straight losses last week, but were the Jets playing poorly? I think there was just a little bit of poor puck management for a lot of that hockey game on Saturday. And offensively over this stretch, right, you can point to to moments where they just haven't really had much going for them, right? They got shut out by Dallas. They scored just once. 
against the Oilers and kind of tried to sit on it. And then it was just a lot of disconnection, I thought, with the puck against the Blackhawks. You look at the goals they scored. They get a great power play goal with Gabriel Filardi makes a great move to set up Mark Shifley. The Morgan Barron goal was nice for him, but should have been stopped. It was just five hole. And I, I don't, and the Perfetti goal, like no one's stopping that. A great deflection is, is impossible to stop. But I, I just think the, the Jets were, were turning the puck over a lot. There was just, their, their dynamism was definitely better in previous games than I think we saw against the Blackhawks. They just got away with it a bit more. I don't know if it's just a matter of teams go through patches where they're not crisp. Right over the course of an 82 game season, there will be moments. Right, they they were I think what nine two and one without Rick Bonus. Like they were on a heater, and and it, you know it's coincidence that he comes back and they've been losing more than winning. It's not like oh the bonus is back, they're bad. No, that's not what it is. But I just think that right now they're they're just not as sharp, uh, and that is having an impact on their offensive game. And also, let's also remember who they played in these losses, Nashville was riding a four-game win streak at the time. Dallas is playing very well. And Edmonton's also on a win streak and starting to find its game. So part of it is the Jets dipped a bit. Part of it is they're playing teams that are pretty good or or at least playing very well right now. All right. I got to ask you, asked last week, uh, I think it was Jim, about the play of a player that uh, some had some concerns about coming into the season. Uh, his talent is unquestionable. He has nine goals, second most on the team. I'm talking about Cole Perfetti. Your take on number 91 and how he just seems to have all come together for him in this early part of 2023, unless I'm missing something. No, no, you're not missing anything. He's having a great season so far. He's playing very solid defensive hockey, but he has found his touch goal scoring wise. And I think we've seen confidence in him at the NHL level that he knows he can play at this level now. I think it took a little bit to start the season because he was at center. He was asked to to take on that elevated role and then they put him on the wing and he's really flourished. And I think what we've seen is he's healthy. Again, he's he knows that he can play at this level. We saw the confidence he had playing with the same players over and over again because he got moved around a lot his first couple seasons in the lineup and then playing a lot with Nemesikov and Ehlers. Now he's he's playing with, you know, Velarde and Ayafalo, at least for now, but the guy has a lot of talent. He was a 10th overall pick. We know he's got a high ceiling, and we're seeing that now. And I, I think we can't over, overlook the confidence that is given to a player when you sit, tell him you're on the number one power play unit because we think your game's that good. He comes in on that number one power play unit. He's He's picked up points on that unit, but I think it's really helped his overall game to say, hey, you're a big part of this team. We know you can do it. And he's gone on and proven it. And now he's he's becoming a giant offensive part of this team and a huge reason why they've been able to move on without the likes of Pierre-Luc Dubois, Blake Wheeler, because they needed young players like him to step up, and he absolutely has in that top six. Christian O'Mal, host of the 680 CJOB Sports Show, part of our Jets coverage team, obviously a critical part of that team. Christian, uh, enjoy the game tonight. Have a good broadcast, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon the former host of a rock radio show on 91.3 FM Blue Water Radio in Hanover, Ontario, where I used April Wine a lot as a 16-year-old, not really knowing what I was doing, but knowing that 
That is some strong CanCon right there. That's uh, very strong <laughs> in the CanCon. Thanks, that Christian. And patio lanterns, I'm guessing, would be. Have a good day, guys. <laughs> Jets flying the 48, by the way, their alternate jersey this season, one of three. At times, they will wear that jersey tonight. Once again, opening face-off just after 6.30 tonight. Our pregame coverage gets underway at 4.30 on your radio home of the Winnipeg Jets. And don't forget, Jets at noon. Cam Poitras back on the show with Jim Toth today. We'll take a pause. It's 8.48. We have to take a peek at your forecast. We have to take a look at traffic. And once again, don't forget, if you are east of the city and trying to come into the city on Trans-Canada Highway, that is closed for about a three-kilometer stretch just before Highway 2, or PR, if I'm being uh, grammatically correct, PR 207. It's Mackling. It's McNabb. McGarry returns Wednesday. By the way, um, several of our listeners, we've been talking about Miles Goodwin this morning, the founder, singer-songwriter of uh, April Wine. Well, Winnipegger Chad Allen, uh, one of the original members of the Guess Who, passed away at uh, the age of 80. Uh, Allen passed away in late November, but his uh, family just uh, released news of his passing over the weekend. Founding member, an original uh, member and lead singer of the band, recording three albums with the Guess Who before leaving in 1966. Chad Allen has been identified as one of Canada's music pioneers and was given the Order of Manitoba in 2015 for his contributions to the Canadian music industry. Of course, the Guess Who, one of the great parts of Manitoba culture, history, and the music scene right across the country. Uh, condolences to all who knew and loved and admired Chad Allen on the news of his passing over the weekend. Uh, question of the day brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. We are crafting a brand new question. It has to do with fas fast fashion. Say that 10 times fast, Loren. But we want to know what you consider when you're purchasing clothing. What are your priorities? It was just about oh, 25 years ago that I remember the book by Naomi Klein came out, 1999. It was called No Logo. And it was around the time that there was so much like unrest and protest over globalization and the big corporations sort of moving into all these little communities and taking over, some felt like, you know, like the Starbucks, the McDonald's, the Nikes. And did you ever stop to consider what those corporations are about and where those items, like in the case of Nike, are made. And it opened up eyes on shoe factories and child labor and, and all the rest. And 20-some years later, we had made all these changes, and I think a lot of people were conscious or, or felt at least more aware. And you thought about being local versus buying from a big conglomerate somewhere and things being shipped from overseas. But in these times... We had asked the question at eight o'clock. There's an article on globalnews.ca about fast fashion versus sustainability. In these tough economic times, are you really going to be someone who says, but hang on, that's bad for the environment or bad for laborers or bad for human rights conditions? Or does the almighty dollar really what sets the tone for how you make your purchases? And so one of our listeners texted and said, I wish I could think of everything that goes into the making of clothes. But for me, it all becomes extremely overwhelming from thinking about that along with global warming, what I should or shouldn't be feeding my family and the politics of the world too much for my brain to handle. At the end of the day, I have to take the money I have and spend accordingly. I think a lot of us are in that same boat. Absolutely. You, you know, and the awareness 
uh, sometimes is is overwhelming and to the point where you might not buy. If, if you were taking all these things into account, you might not buy anything. And then, of course, there are people who have made that decision as well. A terrific text message. A very thoughtful 204-780-6868. Your thoughts on all the things we are discussing this morning. Christmas trees, real versus artificial. Uh, What would you do if you won the lottery? I think we might have an email in my inbox that could be our winner this morning. But we'll debate. You still have time. Get in on the opportunity to see uh, Ravine, the next generation, or to check out Monet and all its grandeur beyond Monet at the convention center. That music means it's time for Sarah McCarthy to slide into the global news booth and deliver global news at the top of the hour. It's Mackling McNabb. It is the start. Brett returns on Wednesday. Hope you're having a fine Monday. We don't have official word from Manitoba Highways on this, but one of our listeners saying that one of the lanes westbound on a Trans-Canada Highway between PR-207 and uh, just uh, a a location three kilometers east of PR-207 now open. Like I say, we do not have that confirmed for Manitoba Highways, but if you've made your way through there and you can do so safely and can confirm that for us, we would appreciate it. Not that we don't trust our first texter, but we like to get multiple people letting us know that that's the situation. 204-780-6868. Hands-free, safe as can be, please and thank you. We'll take a peek at your forecast now. Fog advisory remains in place for central Manitoba the Red River Valley, and the Interlake regions. That includes the city of Winnipeg. It's uh, pea soup, as they say, out there in uh, most of those areas. That fog will clear later. Mix of sun and cloud, high of minus 3. Tonight, mainly cloudy. Fog once again in the overnight and early morning hours. The high, minus 2, or pardon me, the low, minus 2. Cloudy tomorrow and a high of minus 2. Sunshine Wednesday and a high of 7 degrees. It is minus 6 Outside 680, CJOB. Tickets to see Ravine, the next generation, and uh, beyond Monet tickets up for grabs. We're asking you about lottery, lottery winnings. What would you do if you won the lottery? The first things you do that come to mind. Mackling McNabb with you. McGarry returns on Wednesday. And Loren, uh, Brenda, she is channeling Oprah baby yeah I think I think this is something that you do once in a while when we get talking about different things and and you will substitute the word that Brenda's used in her text message with other words well it's because it's when we when we have say promises being made by politicians or other in certain times of year in the election cycle suddenly lots of promises get made you know everyone's going to be happy Brenda says if I want a lottery I would love to buy everyone I know and even though that sold me the ticket, a car. You get a car. You get a car. You get a car. You get a car. How great would that be, says Brenda? It'd be awesome. Yeah. It, it, like, there'd be no. I have a deal with uh, my friend John in uh, BC that if either one of us wins a massive amount of money, large sum of money, that we are to not call, email, text. We are to show up show on... Up one another's doorstep with a, a check for a million dollars for the other and then just hand and then just 
you know, let the tequila flow. Yes, yes, yes. It'd be lots of Cabo Wabo tequila. 908 in the fog, 34 is above Portage Avenue, 201 Portage, uh, Portage Avenue and Main Street in the heart of downtown Winnipeg. And uh, Loren, lots of text messages this morning. At least earlier, we were discussing the last brown Christmas and we welcomed a special guest this morning, one of our favorites. And he referenced 1997, our discussion, as the last marked Brown Christmas in Manitoba. Listen, it's December 4th. We get its early days. We understand it's Manitoba. We know a lot of things can happen. But we spoke to senior climatologist David Phillips at 737 about the forecast and snow or lack thereof. Because 7 degrees is the forecast for Wednesday. 6 degrees forecast for Thursday. He said on average in December, you get three days that create melting conditions. Sorry, four days that create melting conditions. We've already had three of those and it's only December 4th. So it's fair that some of these questions are being asked and the possibility of a white versus brown Christmas. Uh, by the end of this week, on average, you would have had seven of those. You've had none. And last year at this time, guys, you had temperatures to, uh, as low as minus 33. So, what? my gosh, this is absolutely, what a shock a, a, a year makes uh, where you're wondering about, gee, are we going to get a white Christmas? Come on. There's a 100% chance, a 99% chance of a white Christmas in, in, in Winnipeg from year after year after year. But That's my gosh, the probability, David, 99%? <clears throat> It is. We've had only, in, in records we've got, looked at from, say, 1955, there was one, I think, in 1937. It was also a green Christmas, brown Christmas in 1997. People remember that. They remembered that they golfed on that particular day in Winnipeg. I mean, come on. It was people were just shocked by that. But there's only been one year in the last, say, 65 years where you've only had, um, um, you know, a, 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 green, a green Christmas. So I think it's like death taxes and a white Christmas are the thing in Winnipeg. But this year, I mean, I would bear, I would dare say that a lot of loonies on the fact that there will be a white Christmas. There's a lot of time to go from now until Christmas morning. So I, I think uh, off the top there, David was talking about the fact that by this time, most winters, we've already had seven days in the minus 20 area. Now, I, I didn't ask him if that was high or low, but the point is if the temperature at any point in the day touches minus 20. That's cold. We haven't seen that yet. And yet, as I was grabbing my coffee at 4 a.m. this what? morning, the woman handing to me, I said, oh, sorry, because I couldn't get my hand out far enough. She's like, it's okay. It's just so cold. And I mm. thought, oh, lady, you're going to be in trouble <laughs> if this is what we're thinking now. But it's all relative. I understand. Yeah, I think it's because uh, at that time of day when you're inside and you're feeling the warmth every time that window opens, it would feel cold. No question about it. 9-11 coming up to 9-12. Uh, would you be okay with a brown Christmas? 204-780-6868. We had one of our listeners earlier this morning, I think it was Dan, said that in 1997, after opening gifts, he went out to rake his leaves and then reminded us that, uh, you know, that reprieve from winter was short-lived. By New Year's, we had a couple of feet of snow on the ground, temperatures had plunged 16 degrees tomorrow in Medicine Hat, Alberta. Seven degrees here. Uh, confirmation in the last few minutes. Brent, Brent Fitz will join us. Drummer with Tuke, performer with Tuke. Uh, Shane, Shane Glass typically uh, actually drumming, as I say that out loud, on uh, the Tuke uh, shows. Uh, but uh, Brent uh, drumming with Slash, recording with Slash in Los Angeles. If I just gave away a secret, 
I apologize. But uh, we'll talk about Kiss, their final concert at MSG on Saturday night. The Impact of Kiss, April Wine, Chad Allen, and uh, lots of music conversation coming up in about 25 minutes' time. We'll take a pause, take a peek at your forecast, and then we're going to give away tickets. We got winners. I love it loud too. I grew up loving it loud and it was because of this band. I think almost exclusively that I fell in love with rock and roll. I've been a member of the Kiss Army since I was six years old and two of the greatest entertainers of all time say they have played their final live concert as the characters they created 50 years ago as a part of Kiss. Greg Mackling, Loren McNabb, Mackling McNabb with you on this Monday morning. Brett returns on Wednesday, and of course it's the star child and the demon portrayed by Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons. This mythical world of rock and roll with these characters that make up the the biggest show ever conceived and delivered. As they say before they take the stage, you want the best, you got the best, the hottest band in the world, Kiss. They said goodbye from Madison Square Garden in New York City on Saturday night, and our next guest plays rock and roll for a living. Joins us now from Los Angeles. Say good morning to Brent Fitz. Fitzy, good morning, my friend. It is early. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we had the back and forth yesterday, and I felt bad for asking. Even when you're sort of, you know, when I know you're going out for a coffee, I know you were working hard yesterday, so thanks for doing this. But I had to speak to you today because the impact KISS has had on your life and your love of music. I think it, it's a conversation worth ha- having. So I thank you immensely for doing this this morning. Uh, Brent, uh, talk about KISS and and their impact uh, on rock and roll, period, but your love of music and, and that need, that want to perform. Well, and, you know, the way you had introed it, Greg, I, I heard you say, all the things about what the band meant to you and how long you've been a KISS fan and member of the KISS Army, that's me. You and I are the same. From Winnipeg, St. James grew up. I discovered that band in the, you know, mid-70s as a kid. And the music, the great catchy songs, the superhero-like costumes and the imagery and all that power of influence, I'm in L.A. today because of that band. So I have to say my career and everything I built on my love for music and what I'm doing today, many years later, being a KISS fan all these years, I thank that band every day for that. So it's a little bit bittersweet when they say we're not touring anymore, as KISS says, you know, that was our last show in New York. And, you know, I just... um, I guess I can say that, you know, we're, we, I was not in New York because I was busy working here. Um, I certainly kept in, you know, close contact with, I am a little friendly with the band now. Um, so, um, yeah, I was wishing them well. And I uh, just heard from my good friend Eric Singer yesterday, the drummer, because he lives in Los Angeles here as well. So I'll probably enjoy, as a as a friend, fellow drummer of one of the guys from the band, I'll probably hear how how great and special it was for them in New York uh, from him in person. But I was at the show in Winnipeg, as were you. And you know what? I had a really great moment at the show because I brought my father, 84-year-old Merv, to the show. And I almost felt like 
I wanted to bring my dad because my parents were also influential in, you know, supporting my music career. And because of my parents, in a way, too, I found love for Kiss. So I sort of brought my dad down to celebrate. This is the band that got me, you know, where I am as a musician, thanks to you guys. So a lot of special moments in the last couple of weeks for me personally, thanks to Kiss. Emotional, maybe a bit too, Brent, just because, you know, your parents support in a time when you're growing up and and maybe not understanding each other's music and all the rest, or maybe you did, and then kind of having it all come full circle. Oh, always emotional. Yeah. Um, (laughs) There's, uh, I had sent Greg a video because someone had sent it to me. Um, Just before we went on the radio, I said, I didn't even notice at the show, but Gene Simmons during the Winnipeg show, which was what, just a couple weeks ago, in the middle of his bass solo where he also you know there's breathing fire and then he spits blood i'm i'm enjoying the show and i don't even realize that right in the middle of it gene goes oh yeah and the crowd goes ah and he goes oh yeah and he goes fits and i'm like what is (laughs) i didn't know at the time but i guess gene was having some fun uh noticing that i was down in front and uh and he said my name (laughs) during the show and i'm telling you that, for me as a kid growing up in Crestview, St. James, and loving that band, and having the demon uh, say fits on stage was like, what is going on? But hold on. This is what I realized. He wasn't saying my name. He was saying my dad's name. He was celebrating my dad that night. So that's the story I'm sticking to. But <laughs> this band makes me so happy. It's like, you know, uh, everything I've enjoyed about music, I learned business-wise and musicality-wise from from those guys. So, you know, like I said, again, very emotional because I get to play music. I'm getting ready for a huge tour going out with Slash. Uh, next year, we're going to hit 25 to 30 countries. And, you know, all these music lessons and everything I got, you know, I'm here working with Slash. We, You know, I've had a great career working with a whole ton of artists, but it's just, it's so emotional to say, I always, I always reference back to Kiss. And it's kind of sad that if that band is not going to tour, what, you know, what happens next? Yeah. And, you know, the KISS detractors uh, and and they're out there, you know, they can have their say and they can have their feelings. But uh, the impact of this band over 50 years is unmistakable. The marketing, you mentioned the business side. Gene Simmons is, uh, you know, famous for his business acumen and his ability and willingness to put KISS's name and logo on on just about anything. And we could talk about KISS uh, for probably two hours, Fitz, and, and I'd like to do that with you sometime but i have to ask you about uh miles goodwin two canadian rock and roll legends uh we learned the passing of also chad allen over the weekend at 80 passed away november 21st and you know that's another thing that you and i have in common our love of canadian music of course you're coming to winnipeg december 30th with Tuke, and and that's the heartbeat of that show is is your salute to canadian music the impactful canadian music Talk about April Wine. Talk about Miles Goodwin and and the impact that that they had. I always thought they were from Montreal, but they're from Halifax originally. Yeah, I think well, Miles Goodwin is definitely an East Coaster. I think the band kind of credits you know having the uh, the start maybe more a little bit more in Montreal, but um, but that band is interesting because yeah, as a Canadian band and as Canadians growing up listening to all those like. Let's be realistic. April Wine has a pretty deep 
regu- regular rotation catalog of great songs. And I don't think they always get enough credit. Maybe a band like Rush gets mentioned a lot, but I'm like, hold on, April Wine. You can't forget how important and that, you know. And, but in America, actually, April Wine is one of the more popular bands that you can mention to people. And they go, oh, I love April Wine. But like Slash, for example, you know, one of those, you know, if he, he'll say, oh, of course, I know Rush. And, and then I always, you know, give people all my favorite Canadian bands. I go, I've never heard of the Queen City Kids. And I always try to turn people on to all the great music from the prairies. But I think April Wine definitely uh, made a huge impact. And, uh, and, and in America had some, some big hits too. So it's really unfortunate that um, because Miles uh, Goodwin had stepped down recently, and of course the band continues on, but then I guess maybe this came a little bit of a shock to everybody because has there been a statement of how he had, had passed? But I believe he's 75. And this is what's, what's re- really breaking my heart now is that all my heroes, all the music I grew up on, I'm realizing that when some of my favorite you know, musicians are in, are in that, that age category, I guess you know, it's starting to show that we are losing some of these greats. And yeah. especially the hometown, Chad Allen, the original voice, of Chad Allen and the expressions and all that, that, you know, brings us to the, you know, the art, he's the, he's the ground zero for, for he's kind of like the voice of, of Winnipeg with the guess who and all that great music that came out of the sixties that sort of puts us on the map. So that's a really sad reality too, is that Chad's now gone and uh, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I don't want to know when there's a day when there's going to be no Beatles and no Rolling Stones and certainly no Kiss on the planet anymore that's really going to make me emotional yeah i'm getting old myself guys (laughs) (laughs) well and you know and and that's the thing it's all it all builds perspective and and uh, allows us to cherish the things uh that we had and that we have and uh without chad allen without the impact the influence of the guess who how many winnipeg musicians maybe never even get their start uh and then you, you move into the era of kiss and the accessibility and the you know, learning to drum to destroyer and to, to you know to emulate all those different things, searching uh, costume shops for the blood so that you could do all the things that Gene did. Ah, uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, Fitzy, thanks for this. Uh, and once again, I know you had a late night and an early morning to to talk about this, but your perspective was uh, in my mind almost second to none, and uh, we appreciate you immensely. Can't wait to see you uh, later on this month back home. I'll see you back home for our Took show, and we'll we'll continue our uh, celebrating of great music, kiss, and all things Canadian. All right, Brent Fitz, uh, one of the good guys in a rock and roll. Can you imagine that, Loren? You take your dad to the to the place, really, sort of that it all sure. began. Like that's what got you going, and they give a shout out to your dad, or you, or both, or whomever it is. I was just looking at the age of, say, Gene Simmons, seventy four years old. Like those stage shows require a lot of cardio. Mm. Moving back and forth, your vocals have to be as strong as your diaphragm and lungs and heart and all the rest. So I can see how the live can be challenging at the same time. Oh, and Paul still sounded great. Paul Stanley still looks great. When I was a kid, I, I really did want to. You be dressed up as Paul Stanley. Them. No, for I one did. Halloween, yeah, yeah. yeah it was yeah, Paul yeah. Stanley. My brother Kevin was Gene Simmons. Of course, yeah. Why not? Why wouldn't you?